T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, world, and welcome into episode... What's today's date? 10.2.18 of Trust the Tape. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh. You can find me on the Twitter at JC1053. Alongside my co-host and the greatest mind in college football, Dane Brugler at DP Brugler on the Twitter. And I did find out, Dane, that I miss a lot of sports news because I'm on the Twitter and not the gram. Excuse me? I think a lot of the players are on the gram and that's where they're sharing information. And I don't catch it until somebody takes it from the gram Brings it to the tweeter. But I just want you to know that. The gram, it's just all pictures, right? Yeah, but then they put words. Okay. Like the gram for me is pictures of dinner. Right. Because I thought that was how it worked. Isn't that how it works? I don't know. Can you post words and not pictures on the gram? I think there has to be a picture. That's what I thought. I think. That makes it tough. But then under the picture is where the stuff happens. Mm. So like all the players post shirtless pictures of them all oiled up and then it's like, I quit my football team. And it's you like, oh, I missed sure that you're story. on the right site? <laughs> no, yeah, I think so. Is that so. a different gram? Man, what a week of college football, huh, <laughs> It was. Hey, we're finally in October. It's the what, the second best sports month of the year. You got to love it. Yeah, what's the first one? I thought I saw you arguing about that. April, of course. What about if the draft's in May? Are they done doing that ever? Yeah, they're done doing that. It's, okay. It, so it's always in April? In April, you got, you got the draft. You have, you know, baseball is getting started. You've got the Masters, Final Four. Uh, it's... Uh, is number one, it, and I think part of it's you know springtime and all that, but October is a close second. Playoff baseball is great. NFL, college football. Uh, what about January? Wouldn't that have I, that's the my national third. title game? That's, that's 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 the third. Well, no, and the Super Bowl ends up in February, February right? It? January, yeah. and, and for my purposes, Senior Bowl, Shrine Game, a lot of All Star games. That's a lot of fun. Uh, but, oh. I remember when I was allowed to go to those things. In, in, in the NFL, you have AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game. It's the NFL playoffs. A lot of times, the 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 journey and the divisional and, and the conference rounds are sometimes better than the Super Bowl. So January, I think it's it's close, but April, October, January. That's one, two, three for me. Okay, so Ohio State, Penn State's probably our biggest deal to talk about, but I want to put it on hold for a second mm. for this week's version. Of the Rookie Report. Josh Rosen got his first start in the NFL over the weekend, Dane. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to tell you what. I watched a good amount of that game, and his numbers say that he completed 55% of his passes for 180 yards and a touchdown. I'm going to say that the degree of difficulty in some of the throws that he was making were awesome. And Mm -hmm. I feel better today than I did before he took an NFL field that that dude's going to make it, and he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I think he's got it. I think yeah. he's going to be really good. Well, he's really polished, and we talked about that all last year at UCLA, how polished he was for uh, such a young player, a true junior, um, and it just really comes down to consistency for him. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, I 
He's no Baker. I'm just, but he's really good. I had three quarterbacks in my in my top ten prospects last year. Darnold was one, and then I had Rosen and Mayfield neck and neck. The next two guys, two and three, but all three I thought were worthy of top ten consideration. And we're going to see that from Rosen. I think that you know he's going to prove to be. I think at worst, a Matt Ryan type of quarterback, and that's a guy you can win with in the NFL. So I think the Cardinals have to feel good about uh, their future because, you know, the, the present, not so good, but the future, you have to feel good moving forward. So the other thing that I just want to go over real quick, and most people don't, I don't even know if the average sports fan knows that quarterbacks, they keep a win loss record. Like you, yeah. It does exist, mm-hmm. right? So I'm on NFL.com, and they have each rookie quarterback with all their numbers next to each other through week four. Baker Mayfield is 0-1, right. which means that Tyrod Taylor technically broke the Browns' <laughs> losing streak, even though Tyrod Taylor threw for 14 yards and was getting destroyed. That's the that, facts. If you start the game, you get the win. That's the facts right there. Now, if Tyrod was up 28-0 and then got hurt, and Baker came in and they lost, that would be Tyrod's loss. True, true. So that's just the way it goes. You get the like, result no matter what, as long as you start the game. Quarterback win-loss record, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of like completion percentage, honestly, because you know, it, it's, you're at the mercy of so many other things when you're throwing the ball uh, that you could have 55% completion percentage and still look like you had a really good day throwing the football. And same thing with win-loss percentage. I It just, you know, people get upset about quarterback wins as a stat. It is a stat. Of course it's a stat. But it needs context, just like most stats do. And if a quarterback is 10-1 and one as a starter, do you take that as religion? No, you investigate a little bit. Don't be lazy. Uh, but is it a stat? Yeah, it is. We just, again, need context. Okay, so that's all I wanted to do for the rookie roundup. Is there anything other than the uh, the quarterbacks that interested you uh, this week? Well, I, we got to mention Calvin Ridley again. The Leading only, the league in touchdowns. The only rookie in NFL history to score six touchdowns, uh, six touchdown catches in his team's first four games. That, that's pretty remarkable. And yes, he benefits from Julio Jones. Sure. No one's going to disagree Ryan. with that. Sure. He's got a nice quarterback. An offense He's that a... likes to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, sure. Especially with Devontae Freeman out right now. So there's no question. He benefits from that. But if you watch the tape, if you watch them play the game, he is getting open against single coverage. He's the same guy. I don't care who's covering him. He The play speed and the route running – is going to give the quarterback passing windows, and he's been fantastic so far. So if you want to double him to take him away, fine. That's just going to help somebody else on the offense, and he's still doing his job. Uh, the other rookie I want to talk about, uh, Nick Chubb. Only touch- God, three carries for Only touched the ball three times, and why he went does, over 100 yards. Why does Carlos Hyde get 20, was it 22 carries, and Nick Chubb gets three, and Nick Chubb's got a, I think Nick Chubb outran him it, in three carries. It, it, Nick Chubb hasn't lit the world on fire up to, you know, this this weekend, so it is what it is. But Let now, the youngsters run. It's a young man's moving game. Moving forward, we'll see how Hugh Jackson attacks it. Um, but yeah, he had touchdown runs of 63 yards, 41 yards. Uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good day for him. And then Harold Landry had himself a pretty solid day. Uh, Did we ever rounder. figure out how he got to the second round? Was there an injury? What? What I he heard was, was too mostly, good of a pass rusher to not be picked in the top fifteen. Forget it, first round. It was mostly effort. Like you worry about durability. I mean, his senior year was just such a such a wash. Like it just didn't it didn't matter. And he was banged up. And I, I think some scouts that went through there thought. 
this guy could be playing. You know, why is he? And then the same thing, it carried over the pre-draft process. He didn't go to the senior bowl because of the same injury. So I, I think a lot of teams were kind of scared off about, you know, pain tolerance. Uh, you know, if he has a hangnail, is he going to sit out? Fair, I mean, whether that's right or wrong, I, I think that is the, one of the main issues why he did follow the second round. But hey, for the team like the Titans, worked out pretty good. Okay, so on the college football weekend that we just enjoyed, I was in Norman, so anything that I didn't see is not my fault. Because Checking out some Oklahoma-Baylor action? Yeah, I was checking out some Oklahoma-Baylor. I was, I was taken there by <laughs> my significant other. It was not my choice. Uh, I wore OU stuff. I, I think I saw a picture, I had to. and you were I was, smiling. I was forced to. Well, I like to enjoy myself okay. in a college football environment. Um, it was great. Went down on the field before the game nice. while they were playing the hype video and for the opening kickoff, and it was pretty sweet. Uh, college football is so much better than pro football when it comes to home atmosphere? field advantage oh, and the yeah. atmosphere. Oh my God, it's incredible. Um, so I was at that game. So anything that I missed is not my fault when it comes well, to the rest of the weekend. I have a fuzzy memory on some other things <laughs> because after and before, that's just how life works when yeah, you go to a college town. Right. Things happen. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, but Ohio State, Penn State. Speaking of good atmospheres. Yes. That's a whiteout in Happy Valley like that. That's It's got to be top three toughest places to play in college football. I mean, I mean, LSU at night's up there. Some other places are up there, but Happy Valley's right there with the degree of difficulty with 110,000 plus fans right on top of you. The whiteout, the noise, and not to mention Penn State's a pretty good team. And I think for 90% of that game, they were the better team over Ohio State. Uh, they executed, they played well, and Ohio State pulled it out at the end. I Got to give a lot of credit to Chase Young, uh, the Ohio State sophomore pass rusher who, at this time next year, we'll be talking a lot about him as a future top five pick uh, as a pass rusher. He's only a true sophomore, not draft eligible now. Uh, the box score looked good for him. He had six tackles, three for loss, two sacks. But his impact on two pivotal plays is really what changed the game. Fourth and one, late in the third quarter, McSorley had the tight end running the cross uh, cross formation route. Young sniffed it out, knocked it down. That was a turnover on downs. If he doesn't knock, if he doesn't recognize a play, elevate and knock that pass down, tight end might be still running. And then, of course, final play of the game, fourth and five. What are we calling? It, yeah, Miles State. What are we hand calling? off to Miles Sanders. Chase Young with the twist gets him for a tackle for loss. We're ends not the calling game. a pass on fourth and five. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't fourth and one, not fourth and two, fourth and five. five. And so, like, there's plenty of debate about. Uh, the play call and James Franklin even admitted afterwards. You're averaging 2.7 a carry with your running backs. It, that's then that's the key thing. Uh, I mean, he admitted it wasn't the right call, and I, I agree because you're taking the ball out of McSorley's hands. And yes, it was a it was a zone read play, so McSorley has the option of keeping it. But the moment they motioned Miles Sanders and the linebacker followed McSorley's coach to hand the ball off, so he made the right decision. So yes, they did take the ball out of McSorley's hands. And again, a fourth and five, you're going to give the ball to your running back. I like Miles Sanders a lot, but he wasn't having any success. You go away from what's working, and that's McSorley. Uh, and it, again, give him a short, uh, some passing routes. If it's not there, let him run. If it doesn't work out, I can sleep at night saying, you know, I put the ball in my best player's hands. Uh, something that worked all night. He had 175 yards, almost 300 yards passing. It didn't work out. It is what it is. I credit to Ohio State because they made a great defensive play. Chase Young went the twist. Uh, and met the ball carrier right there. He was just a really good call by the defense. But it, it was, uh, you know, I don't want to say Penn State lost the game because I think Ohio State deserves credit for staying 
sticking with it and making some big plays on offense with the screen game. They made some adjustments in the second half. Credit to Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator, for doing that. Ben Victor had that huge play where uh, caught an inaccurate throw by Haskins and then broke a lot of tackles on his way to the end zone. So I want to give Ohio State a lot of credit because in the end, their talent won out. But Penn State, you can't feel good about that. They, they, they had that win and they just let it slip away. Going into this weekend, I gave uh, a lot of people, if you're looking for a college quarterback, the schedule of what to watch throughout the day. Right. And in this time slot, I gave them Dwayne Haskins as somebody to watch. And the number of people that during that game were telling me, well, he ain't that good. I was like, well, it's it's one game in a really tough environment and he hadn't yeah. played that much. And if I'm remembering right, the pick was actually hit a guy on his team chest caught. with the ball. Yeah. And then it was tipped up. So he really should have had three touchdowns and no picks. But it wasn't, I maybe this is a good job by their coaching staff, but just watching it, it didn't feel like his degree of difficulty was very high. A lot of screens, a lot of kind of easy throws and just let your talent make plays. But what, so what did you think of Haskins for the day? I, I thought he was obviously rattled by the environment and it's hard to blame him for that because he had never been in something like that before as a starting quarterback. Um, yes, he played TCU in a neutral field. Yes, he went in into the game in relief of JT Barrett in the big house last year against Michigan, but starting in that environment is a little different, and they put pressure on him. Uh, Ohio State offensive line wasn't able to consistently give him time, and it you, you forced Dwayne Haskins to rush his decision-making, something he hasn't had to do before, and we saw the results. On throws of 10 yards or more, he was 1-7. of seven. And yes, there were some drops in there, but there were also some inaccurate throws. That throw to Benjamin Victor was an inaccurate throw. He leapt and just bailed him out completely. And then, of course, what he did after the after the catch. But this 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 game it it was an interesting juxtaposition with these quarterbacks because on one side you have Trace McSorley, the undersized pop gun passer who doesn't have the physical traits that you want in a quarterback. Ran for 175 on the day, Dane. And he's not even that he's not even like a, a, a premier athlete. He's just he's a really he's a really good athlete, really smart, uh, but he's got the heart, the competitiveness, the moxie, all you know, all those words, adjectives you want to use. Uh and y- you can win with guys like that in in college football. Um you know, guys that make smart decisions, they might not be that elite athlete, they don't have a huge arm. But they can beat you with know-how. And that's what we saw from McSorley. Like you said, 175 yards, almost 300 yards through the air. And then on the other side, you have Dwayne Haskins, who has the size. He has the elite arm talent. And I'm not saying that Haskins doesn't have the same kind of heart or competitiveness as McSorley, but he's just he's inexperienced. He, he's not on the same level uh, in terms of being a veteran as McSorley. And so you can count the number of starts Dwayne Haskins has made on one hand. Um, and so I think that showed it, it, it was clear the environment affected him. So I think he deserves credit for staying poised, uh, not imploding late in the game. I mean, even some of those screens, I mean, he still had to make those throws and still had to kind of keep his composure. So I think he, he, you know, he deserves some credit, but we need to pump the brakes a little bit on him as a prospect. The sample size is just, it's way too small to have a definitive opinion on him because we're still learning about him. I, and I said it last week on the podcast if you come back from the the future and time machine and tell me that Dwayne Haskins went top 10 in the draft, no one would be surprised. He has that type of talent, but here we are where, you know, it's October 2nd and we're still learning about him. So, you know, I think it's absolutely fair to pump the brakes a little bit on, on him and saying that he's, you know, a future top quarterback. Notre Dame, Stanford, 
Notre Dame beat them up. And who is Ian Book? Yeah, why wasn't he starting before? The Notre Dame quarterback, 24 of 33 for 278 and four scores, no picks, 38-17. Notre Dame put it on Stanford. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. You might have. I, to, I did well, not. To a degree, just, I didn't. I didn't see the offensive output by Notre Dame. Um, just wasn't sure what to expect from Ian Book, redshirt sophomore, making a second start. Um, but with Stanford, that emotional game in overtime last week against Oregon, and then having to travel to South Bend, uh, that's that, that can be tough. And so, you know, I'm not surprised Notre Dame won. I thought they would, but they just pulled away, and Ian Book was a big part of it. And I think it's not. We have to have that uncomfortable conversation. Uh, Notre Dame, legitimate playoff contender. With Ian Book at quarterback, does a great job taking what the defense gives him. Nope. Join the best option. Join a conference. Join a conference. Look. You're not special. Let's look at the schedule. Now their schedule will be tough. Let's look at the schedule. It always is. Moving forward, at Virginia Tech and then Pittsburgh the next two weeks. That should be two wins. At Virginia Tech, doesn't seem like it's an easy game, but... I didn't think Old Dominion would beat them either. Either then they have a bye week, and then they finish with Navy neutral site at Northwestern, Florida State and South Bend, Syracuse neutral site. That's at Yankee Stadium, and then they finish at USC. Eh, some of those are Syracuse names might be, that aren't good anymore. Syracuse, Syracuse might okay. be the toughest. Uh, yeah. They almost upset Clemson, uh, you know, with a like, backup quarterback. But so Notre Dame's going undefeated, huh? I mean, I, USC is not. They're not good. No, they're not. Florida so, State's not good either. Now, by Thanksgiving, will USC be better? Maybe. Um, you know, anything can happen. So we'll see from Notre Dame because they have the talent, no question, to go 12 and 0. Um, and if they go 12 and 0, guess what? They're in. They're in. Them Done deal. And three SEC teams. All well, right. And that, that's going to create <laughs> well, even two. more craziness because what if two SEC teams get in? They will. So then you have one spot for three conferences. Yeah, and it'll go to the Big Ten. Yeah. What if what if what if uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma go undefeated? Tough luck. Uh, well, it's going to be tough. <laughs> well, if okay, if that happens, then the second SEC team will be out. Is Georgia going to lose the title game? What if Georgia loses by a touchdown in a really good game in the SEC championship game? Then you're out. Win your conference. <sighs> That'd be tough. What, I mean, who has Oklahoma played this year? Oh, well, they'll play West Virginia twice. Yeah. They'll play... West Virginia doesn't have exactly that... I mean, they're, they're tough as out of conference game as Tennessee. They'll play a top 20 team in Texas, Dane. They'll play a top 20 those team are, there. Those are facts. Uh, who else in the Big 12 is good? That's about it. Well, okay. Oklahoma State's a real team. That's a team. Texas Tech's a real team. No, and I misspoke. It's one spot for four conferences. What if Clemson goes undefeated? Because Clemson... I could leave Clemson out. I so no can I. That. Clemson I can do does not look like yeah, I can the leave Clemson. This is just like last year. Didn't they do this last year? They were just kind of puttering along, and it was like, yeah, they'll win that conference, but they don't look yeah. good. Yeah, well, and it, it, it showed in the playoff. Um, but the ACC looks terrible this year. I mean, it looks like the fifth best conference at the Power Five. And so, I mean, maybe they stub their, their toe again uh, against one of these teams coming up here. Uh, but it's just... If Trevor Lawrence is back... It's hard to see Clemson uh, losing, not because Clemson's a world beater, but because they just the competition isn't there. So it's going to be really interesting. And look, we talk about this every October, and we always have upsets that we didn't expect. It'll work so. itself out. Yeah, kinda. it usually does. But this year, if Notre Dame is undefeated, 
that's an extra wrench that's thrown into this whole thing that could really shake things up. Uh, because again, undefeated Notre Dame gets in. Uh, one loss Notre Dame, probably not. They're going to need some help. But undefeated uh, Notre Dame gets in. And, you know, I hear all the time about we should expand the playoffs. We should, you know, six, eight, whatever. But you like this. This is fun for you. Notre Dame Stanford. Notre Dame Stanford on Saturday was a playoff game. You're sick. Was it not? It was already a playoff game. The loser is out. The winner is still alive for a shot at the playoffs. So, no, I I, I enjoyed the top Let's four. Let's just blow up conferences. If you have rivalries in there and you want to keep playing certain teams, keep playing those teams. But just blow up conferences. Let's all just play football, and then at the end, we'll so pick the four zero, best. There's zero conferences. Yeah, what's the point? Winning it doesn't get you anything. <laughs> I mean, get you I, a trophy. And I, I do like think that, it. that there needs to be some type of, you know, reclassifying, um, and there needs to be more uniformity in terms of how many conference games you play, how many teams are in conference. I, I wish that we saw that uniformity uh, across the college football landscape that we and we don't. That's more the issue than just conferences in general, but, you know, it's just it's hard when and it, each conference has so much power that they're not going to change for another. And But if Notre Dame gets in, who knows? I mean, sometimes that's what spurns action uh, from some of these conferences, if if we have two SEC teams in and and Notre Dame in, and so that leaves three conferences on the outside le- on the outside looking in, that might change some. That might create that'd be, some change. There's that'd no be question. some really really rich people that aren't happy. Yeah, and that's it, how change happens. People, if you're curious. people in uh, uh, places of power can make decisions. Yeah, you're right. Okay, now you did mention Clemson. Clemson beat Syracuse 27-23, but yeah. I was watching a lot of that game while inebriated, I'll be honest. And I know they were behind for a long time and they ended up winning. Yeah. Uh I did think it's not poetic justice cuz I don't want to cheer for injury or anything, but when your quarterback uh loses his job, Kelly Bryant loses his job, and with the new rules, you can play four games and still redshirt. Right. So he couldn't play in this game. He's done with the Clemson football team because he got benched for Trevor Lawrence. So he's gone. And then Trevor Lawrence pulls a Garoppolo and doesn't run out of bounds and gets destroyed and is out of the game. And you almost lose immediately. Is Kelly Bryant at the house just like, good, take that. Well, I think he was, and I don't think that that's wrong. I think that's how I think sports it's, works. No, I think it's wrong because Kelly, I think that's how sports work. Kelly Bryant needs to be thinking. Well, and that's exactly the point. This is how sports works. He needs to understand that a better quarterback it, took his job. Like you know that that's just what happens. He like the only thing wrong with the whole Kelly Bryant situation was his comments afterwards, saying, "I thought I deserved it. I've waited my turn." Well, that doesn't really matter. That's not how life works. A better player beats you out, and that's just how it is. Now, da- Dabo did right by him by not letting this quarterback competition go into that fifth game where he'd be stuck and wouldn't be able to transfer. Kind of like Nick Saban's doing with Jalen Hurts. <laughs> but, it, you know, he Dabo did right by the quarterback, by Kelly Bryant, and Kelly Bryant needs to recognize that and say, you know what, I got beat out, fine. They let me kind of, you know, leave... Uh, I'm able to transfer redshirt this year. I'm eligible next year. If I still want to, I want to be an NFL quarterback. So I want to go to a place where is he uh, eligible next year? Eligible next year because he graduated. Is that how it works? Or is well, no, anybody- he's eligible next year because technically this year will be a redshirt year for him. Okay, okay. So now anybody in college football, regardless of year, mm-hmm. can take a redshirt and go play immediately in Division One. As long as you redshirt, you have to sit out. Right. A year. As long as you. And so he Quote, played. Yeah, he played four games, but technically he's sitting out this year as a redshirt. So 
he's man, that's to go so wherever. much better than it used to be. Didn't it, it used to be it, almost impossible to transfer and play in Division One? That's why people went down to FCS so that they right, could play. Unless you were a graduate transfer, right? The only I, I think it has a potential to get out of hand when you have like Jalen McCluskey at Oklahoma State. He wasn't. He's a senior. wasn't happy with the touches he was getting, and you know he decided to transfer. I, I think we ha- there's a lot of I support that. There's a lot of immature kids out there that don't make the best decisions for themselves. And, you know, okay, say a true freshman goes to a place and he's not the starter right away and he gets frustrated and he leaves. Get out of there. Well, uh, but he's not, I don't think he's doing, making the right decision by him. Now, maybe, maybe he is. Maybe it's not a good situation, but a lot of those situations, it's going to build character. He's going to have to fight to, to earn a, a, a eventual starting job. If you don't start as a freshman, that's not necessarily the worst thing. Now, maybe as a sophomore, you win the job. I think it has a potential for some kids to make the wrong decisions, but over overall, I, I'm I'm fine with the rule. I mean, I think that you know, in a, in a situation like Kelly Bryant, where he got beat up by a better quarterback, now he's a chance to play next year at a program and then go to the NFL. I mean, that's fine. Uh, we call that freedom, Dane. Yeah, and and that's, that's fine. Freedom, and that's fine. I'm just saying, you know, a lot of 18 year old kids, true freshmen, are going to go to college. They're not going to be the starter right away. They're going to get frustrated and say, "Well, screw it, I'm out of here." And some of those kids are going to make bad decisions, uh, and, and they're not going to be better off because of it. I'm not saying that we should change the rule. I'm fine with this rule. I'm eager to see how it plays out, uh, but it's it's going to be interesting to track and see you know who transfers, who takes advantage of it, and then how they how it plays out at their next stop. Kelly Bryant, Jalen McCluskey, where do they go, and does it work out better for them, or maybe you know the grass is always greener on the other side. Maybe the maybe they should have stayed and figured it out, but you know we'll see how it plays out. My guy Will Greer in West Virginia beat Texas Tech, uh, only forty two thirty four, which is a little surprising to me because I'll be honest, uh, there's a lot going on. Well, first half this was, weekend for me. First half was a blowout. I saw the first half. Yeah, that, I didn't see the second half, so they took the fo- the foot off the pedal and let Tech back into it. Okay, because I was watching a team that had. That Tech had no chance to stop, yeah. and a defense in West Virginia that was giving Texas Tech trouble, and it looked like a mismatch, but then I had to end up turning it back on in the fourth quarter, like, what? What's happening? Well, the football game? It was especially curious because Tech lost their starting quarterback, the backup's in, and I think West Virginia just kind of came out flat in the second half, uh, thinking they already had it in the bag, and... Oh, by the way, did you see uh, Yanni Kajus, the left tackle, with his boxing, amateur boxing? I did not. Yeah, check out my Twitter feed. I, I posted, he punched a guy? He got punched. Is this Kajus' brother? No. Oh. No, no, different. He got, uh, the tech DN punched him. He punches back. The tech DN goes to uh, punch him again, and he, you know, did a little bob and weave. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty good. He looks like an amateur boxer. Check out my Twitter feed That's for good. the video. That's good. Did he get a penalty? Uh, oh, yeah, offsetting. But, I mean... I, I I tweeted this. Uh, I don't know whether to be encouraged because I mean those are some damn good reflexes, quickness, or to be discouraged because I I don't know lack of discipline. You know, P- punching a dude in the helmet. Yeah, I, yeah. If, if West Virginia loses their left tackle because of a hand injury, they have a chance to potentially lose a game because I think there's been a long history of people punching people with helmets on without a lot of injuries. You take that chance. I mean, what was it uh, Deion Sanders and was it Andre Risen? Oh, wow, you're going back. That was like 70 punches to the helmet for <laughs> yeah. each of them, and they were fine. Yeah. No big deal. Maybe the gloves on help. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you're right. Will Greer had a great game. Um, he's I, I like. I, I'm, I'm kind of my guy. I'm going to stick to It's a first-round quarterback. It's my guy. He 
he's a good example of a player who has come back for a senior year and is playing really well and improving on things. The thing is, is I don't think we know enough about Will Greer yet in terms of is he truly fixed what plagued him last year. Last year, too many bad decisions, too many times where he just threw up a prayer and hoped for something good to happen. This year, we haven't seen that yet, but they haven't faced anybody yet either. I mean, I don't think we're going to really know about Will Greer until November. Lubbock's a tough place to play, Dane. Tough place to play there in Lubbock. Yeah, you almost said that with a straight face. Gets wild out there. <laughs> uh, November schedule for West Virginia at Texas. Versus, T- versus TCU. W. At OK State. W. And then versus Oklahoma. Loss. I, that's going to be a, a chance to really see Will Greer and, you know, there'll be more of a pass rush. I mean, Texas Tech couldn't get within five yards of Will Greer uh, with a pass rush. Those four games will give scouts a better opportunity to see, okay, how does he handle himself under pressure? Uh, is he still making the bad decisions? But so far, no. I mean, not taking anything away from Will Greer. He's made an out, he's an out, had an outstanding season. He's uh, near the top of the Heisman list. And you know, he's really helped himself in the eyes of scouts. Okay, now I'm going to move on to something here, which is, might become something that's going to come up a lot of weeks. But I want to know, because I'm curious, and I've watched everything he's done so far, Kyler Murray might win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. He's a first-round baseball pick with $5 million in his pocket from the Oakland A's. On the off chance that Kyler Murray finished this year and said, man, you know what? Here's your money back. I love football. I want to play football. (laughs) Surely an NFL team, if he continues what he's doing, would pick him and give him a chance to play quarterback. My question is, how early? Being that small, is that immediately day three? Uh, Yeah, I'd say, where do you draft a player like that? The five, he might be 5'10", and he might be 185. Yeah, I think he's probably five nine, three quarters, something around there. And yeah, one eighty five. And I'm not the size guy. I'm here for the right. little quarterback. Right. This would Mr. be Mr. Vernon Adams. This would be totally new. Well, Vernon, they're not giving him a fair shake in the CFL. <laughs> no, he should really be out there. Johnny shouldn't have played in front of him. Uh I don't know. That's uncharted territory. Oh, it is. It's yeah. uncharted territory. But we've seen But he's a hell of an athlete. The spread is Alive in the yeah. NFL. We've seen the last few years. He's got a big enough arm. What Pat Mahomes is doing, what Baker Mayfield. I mean, we, we, teams All you are, have to, is it just injury concern at this point for a tiny quarterback? I, I mean, there is concern about obviously looking over 6'6 six, six guys on your offensive but line. But nobody can really look over 6'6 six, six guys. Well, I'm 6'3. I can't look over a 6'1. But it's, my it, eyes are at 5'10. It's not that you can't do it, it's, it's easier for you to do it okay. compared to someone that's, you know, under 5'10. So you have to you know consistently roll them out of the pocket. I, the defenses are just going to play contain. Can he consistently beat defenses when he's stuck in the pocket? Can't roll out. Can't scramble. Uh, you know I'm not going to say he can't do it because he's got a big arm. And so far this year he's played. Uh, I mean he's made passes. Uh, you know he's not made. He's stayed away from the bad decision. He's been fairly accurate down the field. Um, I mean you have to think about how much is Lincoln Riley. You know, factor into this uh, this production. Uh, I mean, he's Lincoln Riley's so good at understanding the strengths of his quarterback, and then the play call and putting uh, the personnel around him to fit what he does best. It's it's interesting because, uh, yeah, he the baseball. It's not that I still don't think my guy's lost a game. He was forty two and zero in high school. He's undefeated at OU. 
at A and M, I don't. He he came. Yeah, A and M. I don't know it, if he would. A and M was such a train wreck. Yeah, I have no idea what even happened there anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Did he the, start games? That's an indictment on Kevin Sumlin, and that's was terrible. Continuing at Arizona right now. I just I just wonder would somebody pull the trigger in the as high as the second round? I'd love to see it. I'd love yeah. to see it. Cool. And honestly, the thing with him too is. Even if it doesn't work out, he's a good enough athlete where you can put him at slot receiver. You know, you can try something else. Uh, you know, he might be undersized, five nine and a half, and one hundred eighty five pounds, but you can play him at wide receiver. You could play him, uh, you know, hand the ball off. And so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And this is a guy who at Allen High School never lost a game. He was the man. He was so much better than everybody else. And then he goes to A and M, and he's going up against Kyle Allen and you know everything just the situation was bad uh it didn't work out well goes to Oklahoma and all of a sudden things are great again and so will he really see that as okay you know what I can do this or the thing is we just don't know does he truly love baseball or football does he love both does he prefer one over the other because if if he likes both equally then yeah gotta go baseball I mean, it, more guaranteed Just for the money, money the durability. The, yeah, exactly. You're not going to get your brains beat in. Uh, you have to go that route. But if he truly loves football more than baseball, I'm not going to criticize him if that's if he wants to follow his dream and try it. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks, uh, you know, guys like Russell Wilson, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's. Who, who would have thought a year ago at this time he'd be the number one overall pick? And we've seen quarterbacks overcome uh, what people say they can't do. So I'm not going to say Kyler Murray shouldn't try it. Uh, Oregon Cal. That was a game that both teams were ranked coming in at Berkeley, correct? And Justin yes. Herbert, 16 of 22, the Oregon quarterback, 16 of 22, 225, and two scores. It would appear they won this game by just running the ball down their throat, but that's pretty darn efficient and pretty darn good. What did he look like? He looked great. And I was I was really interested in this game just to see how Herbert would respond from last week. I mean, that's the type of loss against Stanford that sticks with you. So would that carry over? You know, what was his mindset be like um, on the road against a, a, a Cal team that's ranked and pretty decent on defense? Uh, and he looked great. He looked composed. He looked confident. Uh, made several NFL-worthy throws. I tweeted out a few of the pictures or through the videos. He looked outstanding. And so... Herbert now has 20 collegiate starts under his belt, and he continues to get better and better with every start. So, um, again, he was my number one quarterback coming into the year, number three overall on my draft board. If anything, he's only moving up. I mean, he might be. I mean, I might, oh, now which guy did you move down, Dane? Probably. I, well, I've, I've Oliver. I'll do my draft board here at midseason, so probably next week after this. Uh, that's this weekend. But it's either going to be Bosa, Oliver. And Herbert or Bosa, Herbert, Oliver. Uh, it's just, I think those three are the clear-cut top three. Whoa, what's going on with Oliver? I just looked him up. No sacks? Is he getting blocked by eight people per play? That's the thing. He's When you play him at nose tackle and you, he gets doubled by the center and the guard, it doesn't have free reign. To, it's you know, it's going to happen, and especially when you're Houston. And they're not. They have some other guys on defense, but you focus on taking out at Oliver and you're going to be in decent shape, so... Okay, anything else from this weekend past that I didn't bring up? Um, I want to – oh, we have to talk about Kentucky. We've gone too long without talking about Kentucky. Josh Allen, baby. Josh Allen. I wrote about him this week on The Athletic. Uh, really interesting player coming into the year because he, along with Will Greer, I think he's a perfect example of a junior who went back to school, fixed certain things he needed to work on, 
And now all of a sudden, scouts are buzzing about him. Because Josh Allen last year, about 240 pounds, comes back and bulked up, put on about 25-plus pounds. He looks like a much improved pass rusher. He's expanded his pass rush moves. Uh, he leads the nation in tackles for loss, 10.5. He leads the SEC with six sacks. What Benny Snell, the outstanding running back, is on offense, Josh Allen is for Kentucky on defense. And Kentucky's ranked, I think, 12th in the FBS in total defense. And Josh Allen's a big reason for that because of what he can do off the edge. And he has that hybrid skill set where he can drop in space. He can uh, play versus the run. His improved power allows him to set the edge uh, and contain the ball carrier, not letting him get outside. So Josh Allen has gone from a guy that was viewed as a second or third round pick. And the biggest thing with him was in scouting, versatility is great. Versatility cannot be your best trait. It, It cannot be your defining trait. Hey, Jabril. And... Yeah, exactly. And so with this year with Josh Allen, he's showing that he is a much more complete player and he's working himself into that first round conversation. If he can, if the current trajectory, if he plays that, that he's playing at, if he continues this throughout the season into the senior bowl and the combine, he's going to be a top 25 pick. Okay. Now this weekend's games, uh, spoiler alert, at least at first glance to me, doesn't look real good. You do have Kentucky versus Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, LSU, Florida, and Texas OU. That's about all I got. Yeah, and Texas OU, I mean, that's the it's an it's a noon game, uh, noon Eastern, but it's going to be maybe the game of the week. It's I'll be, be there, fun. please. Nobody punch me. I know how this I know how this stuff gets. Yeah, I but, didn't want to go. She wants to go, so I have to go. But the Texas the Red people Rob- just punch people for wearing a different color. But the Red River rivalries, it's so unique because half the stadium is the crimson, half the uh-huh. stadium is the Bernard. So I just hope I'm not near one of those lines on the edge. Yeah, you know? I don't want to get punched. I, but, I can't fight. Are you going to wear crimson or you know the Oklahoma colors or? Yeah, I, you are. I have. To. Yeah, you are. If I don't, then when I get home, I can't. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Can't uh, make dinner for you? Dinner, yeah. I can't okay, get dinner. Yeah, yeah. Can't get dinner. Um, that yeah. well, I mean, as long as you get some good food out of uh, being at the fair, you know, it'd be a good day for you. I don't like crowds of people. I, I'm with you. I, I don't, don't like uh, people in my real estate. Yeah, and I feel like that is this game is going to be the ultimate of people in your real estate. But at least everyone will be sober and uh-huh. polite. And- We're going to be making good decisions. There won't be any carnies trying to steal my money on the way in and out. All right, here's a question for you. One receiver in college football has over 20 catches this year and averages over 20 yards per catch. Who is it? Hollywood Brown. Good guess. Ha! Well, you know which team I'm guessing from. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> the team I've okay, well, here, Here's your homework assignment. You watched Hollywood uh, Marquise Brown uh, for Oklahoma uh, go up against Chris Boyd, the Texas corner. Chris Boyd's pretty good corner. Uh he isn't as fast as Hollywood Brown, but he's bigger, a little more physical. When they match up, that's going to be a fun prospect versus prospect matchup that uh, scouts will be interested in. So I, next podcast, looking forward to your report on the, those two guys. Okay, you'll have it. Uh, I did ask for questions, and I'll be honest, I don't like people's questions. A lot of people think this is about the Cowboys. This isn't about the Cowboys. Are you guys listening to Trust the Tape? Come on. Uh, how about... Uh, this guy said, just talk about Deontay Thompson and all the million projected first-round D tackles for one hour. Deontay Thompson, is that Alabama's free safety? Yeah, number 14. He looks really he, good. This safety class, this, the scouts are just hoping for underclassmen to sh- shine this year at the safety position, and Deontay Thompson has. He's, uh, um, when I do release my updated uh, draft board, he'll be somewhere 
top 15. He's he's played outstanding this year. Dustin says, Texas linebackers Gary Johnson and Anthony Wheeler, go. Johnson, he's so fast, plays with so much speed that he, it's funny because he, he has a lot of tackles for loss and they're not because he blitzes. It's just because he's so fast to play the run and then pursue and close on the football that he's able to make the stop in the backfield before the runner can even get to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I have some questions about him in coverage and uh, it needs to do a better job getting off some blocks, but talking about pure speed, the NFL is going to like that. Well, Darren uh, Lee got picked like in the top 20. Yeah, that's true. Run fast. So you, I mean, even if, uh, you know, he's a guy that only plays on special teams to start, um, he's a guy that's going to get a chance because that's speed, because that intensity, he's played pretty well as a senior. Uh, and really that Texas defense, I mean, you've got uh, the one D end uh, who I can't pronounce his name very well. Um, you'll work on it and you'll, you'll pronounce it next week. Yeah. It's uh Omenahu, I believe. Oh, yes, yeah, Omenahu. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. um, he's blessed with the size, outstanding arm length, uh, does a nice job up front, but in the 3 3 5, he, he kind of plays face up or inside the tackle. And so he gets kind of washed, doesn't get a chance to pass rush. Uh, so I want to see more from him. Uh, you mentioned Gary Johnson. And then in the secondary, Brandon Jones, a safety, number 19. Talk about safety, underclassmen safeties who have a chance to move up draft boards. He's one of them. Uh, he's a big-time player. And then, of course, I mentioned Chris Boyd, eager to see how he does against uh, the explosive weapons Oklahoma has on offense. Who are the tight ends worthy of taking in the first three rounds as of today? Go. I, I think there's it's the top three tight ends uh, in this class. They're all underclassmen. Noah Fant from Iowa, Caden Smith from Stanford, and then Albert O from Missouri. Um, so is it just O, or is it another tough it's name? It's Okwa Okay, I yes. like that. Okay, So it's Albert O. Um, and I think maybe Irv Smith from Alabama, he looks like an O.J. Howard clone. He belongs in that conversation as well. Uh, but it's really, it's underclassmen heavy. We need these underclassmen to come out to have some legit tight ends because uh, the senior class, I, we might not have a top 100 tight end this year. At least it doesn't look like it uh, based on early uh, early viewing. So the underclassmen, yeah, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss, Zach Gentry from Michigan, uh, Jay Sternberger from A&M. I, I know a lot of A&M fans are high on him. So uh, the underclassmen from tight end, the tight end position, uh, going to need some help, guys coming out early. Eric says, how big are the chances all three Ole Miss receivers go in the top 50? DeMar- I don't know them, but I'm going to say low. Yeah, Demarcus Lodge isn't going that high, especially you see, he's not he's not consistent enough at the catch point. Um, AJ Brown is interesting because he's a, basically a slot only guy in college, but he has the size that projects well on the outside. Um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of Smith Schuster because he was he did a lot of slot at USC uh, and does it fairly well, working in the middle of the field. But he has the size where he he's not you know slot only at the next level. Um, the interesting guy is DK Metcalf. This guy is a freak when you just talk about his size, his build. He, he'll he have longer arms than half the offensive tackles drafted next year. He is just a freaky guy, uh, blessed with all this talent. Um, needs to work on some of the details of the position. Uh, really good release off the line. Uh, some of his details down the field are hit or miss. Um, but... DK Metcalf is going to be really interesting to see uh, how he finishes this year. I need to see some improvement. And then how high does he go? I He's got the just the rare physical tools where he could go somewhere in the top 20 picks, 
the consistency is not there yet. Um, so DJ DK Metcalf is definitely a name to know and definitely someone we'll be talking about. I expect him to declare him and AJ Brown uh, are going to be top 50 picks. Okay, Dane, I'm done. How about you? Sounds good. Love it. We will talk to you next week on Trust the Tape. Don't forget the five-star reviews now. We need the five-star reviews. And uh, you can also leave in the comments the last coach that grabbed you by the face mask. If it was a middle school coach, maybe high school. People are making too big of a deal of that. Maybe youth league. Dane's old school. He thought it was just cool. Well, he shouldn't have done it, but let's move on. I mean, come on. We've moved on. We'll trust the tape next week. That's Dane Brugler at DP Brugler on Twitter. I'm at JC1053. I'm Jeff Kavanaugh. Next week, trust the tape. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.